do something, we continue something unique in that we're going to obviously flourish. Uh, over this past year, two years, we had flourished in exile, and now we're flourishing in love. And what we hope to do in this particular Advent season is flourishing in love for the world. I hope you got a chance to go through the social hall. There are six banners in there. Six different languages are on those banners, and each of them is the Lord's Prayer in each of those different particular languages. In every service in both rooms, we're going to have the Lord's Prayer prayed in a particular language, and also the scripture read in a particular language, honoring people among us who come from other places, reminding us that God loves the world. And we celebrate in this season that Christ came for the world. So this morning, I'm inviting Lisa Lensing to come up. And I'm going to, as she comes up, she and Barb, Barb Vanderhart and Lisa Lensing. Lisa comes from Vietnam. If you want to hear a story about how God worked at the end of the Vietnam War, and affected Lisa's family. Please find Lisa. And Barb has a heart for worship, and she's going to sign. So what we hope to do together is Lisa will pray the Lord's Prayer in Vietnamese, and then I will, we will, and Barb will sign. And as we do the Lord's Prayer today, don't close your eyes. Watch the Lord's Prayer being signed. And then following that, Lisa will read Matthew 3, 1 through 12 in Vietnamese. And then I'll read it in English, and Barb will sign. Let's, let's celebrate our God who comes to multiple people in multiple languages in multiple places. So Lisa, could you please start the Lord's Prayer? Lạy cha chúng con ở trên trời, danh cha được tôn thánh, nước cha được đến, ý cha được nên, ở đất như ở trời. Xin cho chúng con hôm nay thức ăn đủ ngày. Xin tha tội cho chúng con Như chính chúng con cũng tha kẻ mắc tội với chúng con Xin đừng để chúng con xa vào trước cám dỗ Nhưng cứu chúng con khỏi kẻ ác Amen Amen Now let's us pray the Lord's Prayer If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen But watch Barb as she signs it Our Father, who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we're going to read Matthew chapter 3. So could you open your Bible to Matthew 3? Lisa will read it in Vietnamese, and then we'll read it in English. Khoảng thời gian ấy, răng bắp tích bắt đầu chuyển giảng trong vùng sa mạc xứ Judea. Răng khuyên, các ông bà hãy ăn năn vì nước thiên đường đàn gần đến rồi. Răng bắp tích là người mà nhà tiên tri Isai đã viết. Có, có tiếng người kêu trong sa mạc Hãy chuẩn bị đường cho Chúa Sang phẳng lối đi cho Ngài Răng mặc áo quần làm bằng lông lạc đà Thắt đai da ngang hông Ăn châu chấu và mật ong rừng Nhiều người đến từ Jerusalem, Judea Và khắp vùng quanh sông Jordan Để cho nghe răng giảng thuyết Họ xưng tội và được răng làm bắp tên dưới sông Jordan 
Nhiều người pha và sa cũng đến nơi răng làm bắp tên cho dân chúng. Khi thấy họ răng bảo, các anh là loài rắn, ai đã cảnh cáo để các anh tránh khỏi con trường phạt sắp đến của Thượng Đế. Hãy chứng tỏ bằng việc làm cho thấy mình đã thực sự an năng. Đừng tự gạt mà bảo rằng Abraham là ông tố của chúng tôi. Tôi cho các anh biết là Thượng Đế có thể biến những viên đá này ra con cháu Abraham được đó. Cái rìu bây giờ đã sẵn sàng để đốn. Cây nào không sinh trái tốt đều sẽ bị chặt hết để chụm lửa. Tôi làm báp tên cho các anh bằng nước để chứng tỏ các anh đã ăn năn Nhưng có một đấng đến sau tôi còn lớn hơn tôi nữa. Tôi không đáng sách ghét cho Ngài. Ngài sẽ làm báp tên cho các anh bằng thánh linh và bằng lửa. Ngài sẽ sạn lúa, tách lúa và trấu ra. Ngài chứa lúa vào kho, còn trấu thì đốt hết trong lửa, không bao giờ tắt. Could you say, people of God, this is the word of God in Vietnamese? Mọi người của Chúa, đây là tiếng của Chúa. Thank you. Think about this. This passage, Matthew 3, is read across every nation in the world who are Christians on the second Sunday of Advent for a thousand years. So what you just heard in Vietnamese has been prayed by Vietnamese Christians for as long as they've been Christians in Vietnam. So thank you. Okay, Barb, here we go. Matthew 3. And watch Barb, don't listen. Listen, watch Barb. Oh, and, and, and um, is that Morgan back there? Can I have slide four first? So when I get, we get done reading and she signs, could you, we take a minute in, in, in neighborhoods. What do you think John the Baptist is saying to us and how do we apply his words to us today? Okay, so Matthew 3. Hear the word of the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing hook is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. People of God, this is the word of God. Thank you. Thank you, Barb. Well done. 
If you can, sit close sometime and watch Barb's sign through the songs. It's remarkable. In fact, someday I may ask her to come up here and do that for us. Don't sit near the front. You get asked to do stuff. Is that why no one's sitting near the front? Lonely. All right. I need, I need, a, I need an umbrella of mercy today. So, I reread the passage. Slide four again, Morgan. What do you think John is trying to say? And how do we apply it? On your marks, get set, go, or pretend you're praying. Go. not a lot of conversation today. <laughs> so that, 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 that's important. So a couple people talk back to me. So what do, you, what, what, what do you think about this passage? So here's this crazy prophet who is saying crazy things, and it sounds kind of scary. Is that pretty close? So what do you think about what he's saying? Anybody? A couple, a couple extroverts. Help me out. Connie, Connie, and then we... I think he's telling us, hey, this is it. He's coming. You just... You need to get your act together and start listening because he is going to come. There is no doubt about it. So Connie says, he's coming. Get ready and get your act together. Is that close? Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to add something big is coming. Something big is coming. Yeah. The beginning. The beginning, yep. Somebody else? Do you like the tone or not? The tone down or no? Okay, now, so let me pack it a little bit. So here he comes. Let me just back story here. So he's, here comes this guy who looks like one of the old prophets whose name is Elijah, right? Same dress, same he's Old Testament Elijah. Here comes Elijah. So they recognize how he dresses. They recognize how he looks. They recognize his speech. He's quoting Malachi, Hosea, Micah, and Isaiah. He's quoting passages. And so, okay, we get it. He's, he's, he's prophet and he's... Now, historically, at the same time, all kinds of people have become reporting to be Messiah. A boatload of people. So people were kind of, eh, we've heard this all before. But something different happens when you notice the Pharisees and Sadducees show up. So let me, here's my political conversation for the day. The Pharisees are the right wing and the Sadducees are the left wing. And Jesus calls the Pharisees and the Sadducees a brood of vipers. Why? Because each of them thinks, from their own perspective, that they can either control, manage, or whatever the culture and the government. And John says, the kingdom of the heaven is near. And he calls them a brood of vipers. Let me unpack Pharisees for you. We often give Pharisees a bad name. What were the Pharisees about? It is said Jerusalem was destroyed 46 times in its history. 
Why was the city destroyed repeatedly, and why were the two massive exiles part of their experience? Because the people did not keep the law, Torah. And so the Pharisees began saying, we've got to keep God's people in the runway of the law so we don't go into exile. But they pushed it so far that all of a sudden, keeping the law became the way they measured everyone. And almost nobody, only 3,000 people were Pharisees who could keep all the laws. And when they kept the laws, they were very public in all of it. And they manipulated the the right-wing leaders, the religious leaders were manipulating culture, trying to control Rome, or at least appease Rome, or at least control the people. And Jesus, I mean, John the Baptist says, vipers. And the Sadducees, what are they about? The high priests were all Sadducees. All they cared about is this. We don't care what Rome does as long as we can get our cut. We don't care what happens to Israel, really, as long as we can keep our position. All the high priests were Sadducees. So the left wing was all about money, success, and power, and role. And the right wing was about religious rules and rituals and keeping people under control. And John the Baptist walks into them and sees them. It says, many scribes and Pharisees. How many is many? Lots. And he says, brood of vipers. Let me explain that. A viper could bite and kill. But what he said, brood of vipers, the understanding in that day was a brood of vipers killed their mothers. So now he's saying, okay, many scribes and Pharisees, you need to repent. Repent, what does that mean? Metanoia, well, it means to turn, change directions, but it also means change how you think. So let me stop. So the context of this passage, the pointed context, are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But on the second Sunday of Advent, I'm asking us to ask ourselves, how am I either inviting in, engaging with the kingdom of the heavens? Or, like the Pharisees, trying to keep rules and regulations for who knows whatever reasons, or like the Sadducees, because I just am so concerned with my wealth and prosperity, in this season, do we need to repent so we can flourish by thinking about the presence of the kingdom of the heavens? So when I say kingdom of heaven, what do I mean? The kingdom of the heavens, listen now, is anywhere what God wants done is done. So Jesus, John the Baptist, says to the scribes and Pharisees who are all on the wrong track for sometimes good, sometimes bad reasons, the focus needs to be on the kingdom of the heavens. So let me ask a question. This is about the scribes and Pharisees applying to us. I've got three questions. Morgan, am I have slide seven, eight, and nine? So I'm gonna go through this in just a moment, but here's the first question. Could you ask yourself this, this question? Am I like the Pharisees and Sadducees, carrying on the religious traditions of predecessors, but never experiencing an authentic, personal relationship with Jesus? Or, Am I like the crowds of distracted, wandering people who had departed from the kingdom 
needing to be washed from selfish and sinful choices? Or am I one who has experienced the goodness of the kingdom in the past, but needs to course correct and follow where Jesus is now heading? So the question I'm asking each of us now, applying this to our lives, where do you need to repent? And don't, I'm not saying this. Please don't hear this today. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, where do you need to change directions? And where do you need to start thinking differently? I've said this a hundred times. I've said it once. What you think about God is the single most important thing about you. Why? Because our understanding of God affects how we understand ourselves and how we live. So my question of today about repent is, for all of us, do we need to think differently about who our God is? More specifically, who your God is. So, this week I was invited into several situations where there was um, some painful situations, sometimes sinful, sometimes unethical. It was interesting as we sat together in community around some significant things to watch the kingdom of the heavens break in. So fundamentally, please hear me, to be a relationship with Jesus is not about rules. And to be in the kingdom is not about getting rich. Segway, flourish in love for the world. I got something from a friend of mine who went to seminary with whose tribe in Africa is being killed by their government. Thousands of people have been killed. And he sent me an email and said to me, would you please pray for my wife and my family? Because I think we might be killed soon. That's a way different way of thinking about life, isn't it? So all of a sudden now, because I have this, this person's email and thought, I am thinking about how they think about God. And when you might be killed, or your children killed, or your daughters raped, women, you are raped, what's your theology? How do you think about God when things get really, really, really difficult? So when we repent, he says to these leaders, but I'm asking us, John the Baptist's words, where do I, where do we need to change how we think so we can change directions so we can flourish? It is amazing to me how toxic our thinking can be. Is that fair? Toxic. And so what the the invitation is to be freed, to live with freedom, to live with acceptance. I want to say this one more time because of some of the situations I'm in this way. I want to to say this again. You're a 30-year pastor here. I'm going to say it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter what any of us does, if we are in Christo, if we are in Christ, we are eternally loved and delighted in and treasured. 
Do you believe that? That's the truth. And so we got to fight all these lies that have us think about all these crazy things that mitigate against that. You are deeply loved by God. Let me just, I did this one of the services. I can't, yeah. I'm going to go back to this. Let's just say, I'm going to talk about sins. I'm talking about Jesus. Let's pretend last week, I, last week every day, I, made three, I, I committed three small sins. For seven days, I lied about something. Uh, for six days, I judged somebody and said really mean things. One day, I, I berated a waitress, whatever. Every day, three small sins. When I am 70 years old, if I've committed three sins a day for 365 days a year for 70 years, how many sins has Kevin Corver committed? More than 70,000. It is said about 12 billion people have lived on the planet. What is 70,000 times 12 billion? And in this season, we remember that God came in the flesh as a baby to live with us and for us and die so that, so that 70,000 sins have all been washed away. Now, if that happened at the moment of new birth, can you tell me that God will flip you off and send you to hell after he paid that price to make you part of his family? Really? I've said this before. There is no reason in the world that I would sacrifice any one of my sons for any one of you, none of you. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we can have life. Crazy story, eh? That's Advent. But we also look for the, what's coming. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me jump ahead. Can I have, Martin, can I have slide number five? Let me, I'm gonna take this passage and I'm trying to break it down and make it more simple, real quick. Little background here. So, in the season of Advent, this is not part of the sermon. This is just information. Here you go. Stay with me. So, in the season of Advent, starting last week, we're using the lectionary passages of Matthew from 1127 to 1224. And all but one come from the Gospel of Matthew. And one of the reasons I wanted Lisa to read and all the different people is these passages have been used by different traditions of the Christian church for centuries. And we use the same ones. So other languages are reading. Anyhow, last week, Clay was asked to speak on Be Ready, and I want to just, I just want to just, a quick caveat. He and I worked on that sermon together. And so, again, this is information, but the Left Behind series and dispensational theology has framed how the American church understands the end times. And I, with all due respect, I'm going to say dispensational theology, which is about 70 years old, has a very weak foundation to it. 
Jesus said in his prayer, your kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, listen to this again, again. Not like left behind, we're not trying to get to heaven. Jesus said, you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth. When Jesus comes back, he will bring heaven and earth here, here. We're not trying to go there. So last week, be ready, be ready to live here as we await the king. Let's live expecting the king to return. This, this week, my phrase is be open, which I'll get to up on the, the screen. Next week, be less. The next week, be available. Christmas Eve, be lit. And on Christmas Day, if you come back, be surprised. We're going to talk about this now. Be open. So here now, back to the passage, Matthew 3. Are you open to a different thinking? Are you willing to metanoia, change direction, and change how you understand God and yourself, and here in the passage, how you understand sin? Sin does not disqualify you or me if we have confessed Christ as our Savior. I use this analogy many times, one more time. Come back with me 40 years ago. My dad is a senior pastor. He is preaching. I come on the platform as a young pastor. I push my dad down and say, Dad, I'm the new senior pastor. I'm taking over. And I've asked this question many times, one more time. Has my relationship with Harold Corver changed, yes or no? My relationship, no. I'm still his son. What has been broken? Fellowship. When we sin, relationship is not broken because you are in Christ. Your sins have, help me, your sins have been forgiven, washed away, you're white as snow, amen? You are justified by Christ through his life, sacrificial death, and what's called the atonement. What is lost is fellowship. And we think about sin, not like, no. It's like me pushing my dad down. I sinned against my dad. How do I restore fellowship with my dad? I go over, I help him up. I ask him to forgive me. I give him a hug. Say, Dad, can we start again? That's what we do when we sin. We just, we name sin. We confess it. And then we go on. If we confess, I'm quoting scripture, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, cleanse us, wash us, from all unrighteousness. Are we willing to think about God and our relationship differently? How about the narrow road? It says, prepare the way of the Lord. He's quoting Isaiah 40. How wide's the wilderness? You prepare a way. How, how would the king's slaves 2,000 years ago prepare the road? So the, the, the history is, when a king would go from one city to another, his, his slaves would create a path, a horse trail a, for a chariot from one place to the next. That's what you're talking about. Do you remember the series on the Sermon on the Mount? The wide road and the narrow road? The narrow road is the road of love. Will we repent? 
Will we change our thinking and be people of agapao, to will and do the good of another? The Pharisees, they weren't going to do it. No, it's interesting. <laughs> Neither Mark, Luke, or John put these two together. Only Matthew does. He does it five times. You pay attention to this. When something gets repeated, it's important. Five times, he puts them right together. Matthew is making a profound statement there. And he is saying, these people who hate each other's guts, who only, only, only work together for their own personal good, what they think is, all they agree on now is to kill Jesus. And the narrow road is not to kill anybody. So, so here's a public confession. I am pro-life, from womb to tomb. I believe life is precious in the womb. I don't believe in euthanasia. I don't believe in murder with the tongue. I don't believe in posting I'm saying that on purpose. I'm posting stuff like that. That's murder. That's taking someone's life. I am pro-life. I do not believe in euthanasia. I don't believe in killing prisoners. I am consistently pro-life. Why? Because I believe God is love. And we'll get to it in just a moment. And God is a just judge. And he will make the decision on the end time. And I'll get to that in just a moment. So the narrow road is different than the wide road. And our country's on the wide road. We're just mad and mad and mad and bomb, bomb, bomb. And you see this and see that and mad, mad, mad. Everybody's mad about everything. If we will be, repent, change how you think. She or he is not your enemy. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we wrestle, we fight with principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And there's a spiritual battle that rages. No, that does not mean we don't stand for truth, absolutely grace and truth, but we do it with love. How about thy kingdom come? He says, repent, change how you think, because the kingdom of the heavens is near. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now, follow me. How does that happen? Right here. It doesn't just follow the sky. Thy kingdom come. Bring it, bring it, bring it. No, he brings it through us. If we're not bringing, listen, if we're not bringing it, it ain't coming. True? If we don't bring the kingdom, who's going to bring it? Well, are you ready for a little? Kevin K at trcpod.com. Watch church history. A people get, a people get committed to Christ and the kingdom they get rich, affluent, and powerful, and the kingdom falls. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, many reasons, but the Holy Spirit goes to another place, and another place, and, another, and it always goes where people are poor, oppressed, on the margins, and don't have hope. Read church history. So what's happening in this country my opinion is the Holy Spirit is saying to a rich, affluent, proud, and arrogant nation, have at it. 
And that's why, right now, hang on, all the data is more Christians live south of America than live here. The kingdom is blowing up in Africa, in Asia, in Central Latin America, in Europe, in Canada, in America. I say this sadly. There are pockets, but it seems like the Holy Spirit has left the house. If we don't want him, he's a gentleman. He'll find somewhere else. So, here's my... Here's my bookmark of my friend's wife. Pray for my family, they don't get killed. And the kingdom is moving like nuts in that country. Have you heard about the revival going on in Iran? More people are coming to faith in Christ in Iran than ever in human history. Iran is becoming a hotbed for Christianity. You know what's going on in Iran? Pick your spots. Kingdom come. How about a confessional? The passage is repent for the kingdom of the heavens is near. This week I was able to sit with people who confessed. It's a beautiful thing. There's a freeing thing to just say, this is what I've done. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you hear my confession? And with a particular person, I was able to say with some others, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. It was beautiful to see the response. Really? Really? Yes, really. How about a bath? I often use this as an analogy. Jesus, John is always baptizing with water. If you feel as though you need to be open to the good of Jesus, the King, Here's a simple exercise. Take a hot shower and stand under it for 10 minutes. And in your mind's eye, in your heart's eye, just imagine all your brokenness and sin and pain is being washed away. Think differently about your shower. Think differently about your Lord. Think differently about how you live so you can flourish. And how about a courtroom? I want to end with this. Unpack this a little bit for you. You read it, and then we unpack it. It says in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. After me come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals are not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He'll clear his threshing floor, gathering his reed into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This passage speaks clearly about eternal damnation. You, you, it is clear here. But what I want to get at is judgment. Four sentences. So be reminded when Jesus comes back, and let me, just, let me say this. I use this phrase a lot. Let me keep trying to unpack it. I believe the fires of heaven burn hotter than the fires of hell. Meaning, Jesus is so holy, holy, holy. I believe that when Jesus comes back the second time, the whole world will be terrified. Terrified. Because we're gonna see the king in all his glory with all of his angels. But my question then, my first sentence is this. 
Be reminded that the task of a disciple of Jesus at the final judgment is to trust Jesus as a just judge. A just judge. So that means if you have been, if you have been born from above, born again, when you stand before Jesus, the just judge will say, welcome home. Because justice has been served on the cross. Welcome home. We will further. Justice and judgment are two sides of the same corn. Listen to this next sentence. To enact justice, one must execute judgment. Say it again. To enact justice, one must execute judgment. If we're to ask how Jesus responds to injustice and evil, I would say right now the answer is he bleeds. Why do I say that? Judgment fell on Jesus so that justice, all our wrongs being made right, could come to us. Here's the last one. Justice and judgment belong together. And the one who will carry out the final judgment is called in the book of Revelation, faithful and true. Will we trust Jesus with enacting justice as he, edu- as, as he executes judgment? So let me just put it right here. If you are in Christ, you have nothing to fear on judgment day. Welcome home. But if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if he comes back, you will be terrified and sent to hell. I don't think, I I do not believe, here's this heretic reformed Christian, I don't believe he wants anyone to go to hell. But listen to this, but if in this life, I want nothing to do with Jesus, why would I want to spend eternity with Jesus? If we don't want him here, we won't want him there. True? So I'm just an open invitation. If you've not accepted Christ, today would be a good day to do it. Jesus came and lived a sin in life for us. Set us free. He wants to set us free give us life. But then not just the first step of saying, yes, I receive you. It also is, now I want to follow after you. Let me conclude with the three questions, seven, eight, nine, real quick, and then a couple action steps. So as we conclude this time, would you ask yourself, am I like the Pharisees and Sadducees, carrying on the religious traditions of predecessors, but never experiencing an authentic personal relationship with Jesus? Am I like those Pharisees and Sadducees? Or... Am I like the crowds of distracted, wandering people who departed from the kingdom needed to be washed from selfish, sinful choices? Or, I am one who has experienced the goodness of the kingdom in the past, but needs the course correct and follow where Jesus is heading. So I want to stop right now, and I want to say I am sorry for swearing, but I'm not. I'm burning up on the inside here, folks. 
This is a real deal. It's heaven or hell, life or death, forever. May I push? We have to stop playing games with Jesus. We need to get on the narrow road, which is the road of agapao, and we need to live that life of love so the world will know we are Christians by our love and they'll want to join on that road. So forgive me, but hear me. Okay, the last slide. So here are some options for this week if you want to continue right after this in the auditorium for the next three weeks. We're gonna have an Advent contemplative liturgical service, which are liturgy and candles and beautiful things meant to be very contemplative and quiet. So if you'd like to receive more in preparation, the focus today is the word peace. Light of the World is a prayer weekend, starting on Friday the 16th at 6th and ending on the 18th at 6th, and we are gonna pray for the world. At the end of the Advent series, the six banners in the social hall we hung on the top floor of the lighthouse. And God's heart for the nations is an invitation to learn more about God's work in the world. Straight back there at the table will be some people who can talk to you from January 16 for five consecutive weeks. There's gonna be this conversation about how we can be global Christians and what we can do in being. So please consider those things. Let me pray for us. there's a place in your life where you need to think differently or change directions, may I invite you to do that right now with the Lord if there's something that needs to change. Would you ask the Lord for grace and strength and help to repent and to turn to the one who loves you? In the heart of hearts, would you just say thank you to Jesus for his life and for the offering of his life for yours? So Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in our hearts, in our lives, on the earth as it is in heaven. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.